So mm, some of you might know if you kind of follow us on, I don't know, the weekends, you see some of those graphics that come up that show you what the next series is going to be. Did any of y'all hear what the next series was going to be here? Okay. Well, we canceled it anyway, so it's okay. Um, It was going to be called Secure the Bag, and it was going to be about money. And uh, it wasn't going to get all freaky and weird. Don't worry. I wasn't going to have y'all, you know, throw the dollar bills up here for me and all that kind of stuff. There's some really good stuff in the Bible about money. Um, But I feel like God's taking us in a different direction this month in September. So we're not going to be in a specific series, but I'm going to say this much. Tonight, I do feel the message is very important. Next week, I feel like it might be the most important message I've preached like in the last seven years or so, okay? So be here and make sure that anybody you know can think of who might already come to Fusion or has never been to Fusion is here. Did y'all hear me? It's going to be super, I'm not trying to do this to like boost numbers, I'm just saying It's going to be super important. If you're not here, you're going to be crying while you're watching us all on social media about how important next week is going to be. Are you all down with that? All right. So, um, yeah. So tonight, um, we're going to change it up a little bit. And uh, I want to share a couple of stories from my past. I went to, and some of you all know this about me. I went to Georgia State University as a college student. Anybody GSU folks in here? All right. Any other Schools represented up here? Any, by any chance, any tech people? I feel you. Any Emory people? It's always like two or one. Um, what? Savannah State? Anybody else? Nope. All right. <laughs> SCAD? Any SCAD folks? Yeah. One. one there we go. Uh, UGA, by any chance? Okay, 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 okay. Kennesaw? <laughs> wow, we have a lot of those. Um, what am I missing? West Georgia? That's a few of y'all. GG, GGC? Any GGCers? Okay. ALC. ALC. <laughs> All right here. I'm feeling that. Uh, what did you say? Hunter College? New York. Anybody in here from New York? Yeah, you're always the loud ones. Uh, all right, so I went to Georgia State, um, and I was an RA one year, which is a resident assistant. I was one of those guys who kind of, like, led the entire hall. I would make sure whenever there were twerk parties, I would come in and bust them and be like, yo, we can't be doing this. Um, whenever there was weed smoking, I was the guy to kind of come in and be like, hey, are you smoking weed? And they're like, no, and it's hidden in their closet. And I'm like, why does it smell like this? Like, I don't know, but I wasn't allowed to look in their closet, so I had to walk away. Uh, Whenever things were getting out of line, I was there. But when things were good, I was there too. And we kind of had these routines, these shifts we would take. And uh, I was on one of my shifts one day, which meant that right before I go to sleep at night, I would do my rounds around every hallway in the commons of the building, uh, building D. I, li- I lived on the sixth floor, if you know anything about Georgia State. Um, yeah, I was the first one in there, too. So I'm better than y'all. So I, I was building D. I-, I was doing my rounds, but when I had to do my rounds, I would have to go through every floor. And then when I would wake up in the morning, I would need to do that as well. So one morning, I'm doing my rounds after I did them the night before. And I, 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 my dorm was right next to what we had. We had like a community room, which was like this glass room that kind of looked out. Uh, on this beautiful view of the city, I would often go in the community room just to make sure everything was good. And so I walked in the community room that was right next door to me, and I saw something I had never seen in my life before. Uh, There was a couple, uh, a guy and a girl, who were laying on top of each other, asleep on a couch in the community room next to a pile of puke and a gallon of like that really... um, bootleg orange juice. It wasn't even like uh, Sunny D. It was something like worse than Sunny D. Yeah, so um, I hadn't really been trained for these scenarios. Uh, I had never seen a couple like while working that were laying on top of each other with a, next to a pile of puke and just like passed out. And so I just kind of tapped them because I, I, hey, y'all all right? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, we're all right. I'm like, yeah, y'all might want to like go back to wherever you came from. I've never seen you before. I don't know how you ended up here. 
and uh, you know, they did their thing. I don't remember what happened after that. I think I was kind of uh, shocked from the moment. And then I thought about it, and I thought, man, this is an, in some ways an extreme, but this is really just a picture of what our generation looks like without Jesus. We're trying to find so much pleasure in so many different places, if it's drugs, if it's sex, if it's relationships, if it's money, if it's career path, if it's whatever that thing is, we're looking for something to satisfy our souls, and at the end of that satisfaction, we metaphorically wake up to it next to a pile of puke wondering how we even got here to begin with. I remember thinking that, and then at the same time that I was an RA, I was coming here at Fusion. I was one of the small group leaders. Shout out to the small group leaders. I needed a better shout out for the small group leaders. Shout out to the small group leaders. And I would come in, it wasn't this room at the time, it was the really small room kind of down the hill, V2, if you know anything about our buildings. That's where we were. And I would see these young adults who were just on their knees, on their faces, shouting for Jesus. And then outside of the building, they were living lives of purpose and doing things to change the world. And I don't mean that like uh, exaggerating. They were literally changing the world with their lives. There were times where we would see miracles and signs and wonders. And you would see these people just so excited about Jesus. And I thought, man, this is what our world, our generation could look like if we just got to Jesus, if we could just see and taste how good he really is for our souls, if we could just get our people to Jesus, everything would change. But as the years went on, I began to see a trend. It didn't happen with everybody, but it happened with more people than I would like to admit. I would see some of those same people who were a part of Fusion months or years later want to have really nothing to do with God. And y'all ever seen a person like that? It's like, I, I, I saw how you used to be with God. And a few years pass, a few circumstances unravel, and you don't even look like the same person that I used to know. There was one person, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. I, back, I'm dating myself, 12 years ago was the first time I came to Fusion. I was 19 years old. I remember going in, we had a VIP room back then. I remember going in, meeting some new people for the first time. The band was back there, all that stuff. You know, I'd write down my information, like, here's my name, email, phone number. Um, what else did I write? Like, how was your experience? How'd you hear about it? I wrote all that stuff down, gave them my card. About a week later, I got a call from a guy. I won't say his name, but he was, at, he was saying, hey, you know, hey, so glad you came out to Fusion and all that kind of stuff. And was there anything, you know, you really enjoy? Was there anything you feel like we could get better at? I'm like, no, I, I've never been to an awesome church before, so I don't really have anything to say. And uh, we had that phone call. I remember uh, one time he was getting ready to serve in the cafe, and I don't know why. We went to Wendy's together, and I got some chicken nuggets with barbecue sauce. I don't know why I still remember this. It was so many years ago. Earlier this year, I'm scrolling through Facebook, that same guy who was my first ever call from Fusion, had posted pictures of himself featuring himself without his clothes on and just a little G-string type thing with chains around his body saying he was stripping tonight if anybody wanted to come and see him. And I thought, you know what? Again, that's an extreme case. I hope that doesn't happen with any of us. But I also know that maybe it won't go to that extreme for some of us. But if we don't pay attention to the words of Jesus, what could happen is we get all excited about God and fusion and Jesus and living for him now. But a couple years later, we may look nothing like the person we used to be. I see so many people in their young adult years who are so on fire for Jesus, and then they get married and it's like, eh, he was cool back then, but he gave me everything I needed, so... You know, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll come to him again. Or they were broke and just poverty left and right. Like I'm sleeping from person's couch to person's couch. Jesus gives them a job and then like, okay, I appreciate that. Thank you for the blessings, God. I don't really need you anymore. So, I'll, or, or maybe it's not the good things that happen. Maybe it's the bad things that happen. Someone dies that they love or, 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 or they, they come down with some sort of sickness that should have just never happened. And like, how could a good God ever allow something like this to go down in my life, and before people know it, if they are not rooted in the right things in their soul, they begin to kind of turn away from God. 
the disciples at one point asked Jesus, hey, you're coming back, right? Like you, you, you're saying you're leaving us, but you're going to come back. And how will we know when, when all that's going down? Like how will we know when the end of the world is coming? Uh, some of you, if you've kind of been in tune with prophecies and stuff like that, whether they're real or not, uh, you may know that over the last decade or so, there's been lots of prophecies over uh, when Jesus is coming back. Have y'all heard any of these? Like, you know, 2012, 12, 12, 12, all that kind of stuff, 12, 21, 12. I don't remember what the exact date was, but Jesus didn't come back. And since then, and even up until now, People keep predicting exact dates, when the world's going to end, when Jesus is going to come back. Jesus said flat out, nobody knows the exact day or time. But when you see certain things start to unfold, you'll know that the end is approaching quickly. He would say things like this. You'll see earthquakes increase. You'll see famines increase. You'll see wars increase and rumors of wars increasing. Here's what else he said in Matthew 24, 9 through 13. He's talking to his disciples. He said, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Any of y'all seen an increase in earthquakes lately? I'm not saying like it happened this morning. I'm just saying if you really think about it. Any of y'all have heard about any wars starting up or maybe rumors of wars, North Korea, any of that kind of stuff come, come to mind, ringing a bell? Uh, remember when Trump got elected and, like, everybody's going to nuke everybody? Remember that? Um, any of y'all had any friends betray you, hate you? Any of y'all seen anyone where their love grows cold, where their heart turns away from God? Now, I could go along that same path and keep preaching about how Jesus is coming back soon because all these signs are happening but I'll just say, Jesus is coming back soon. All these signs are happening. I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just saying Jesus and his people have been saying he's coming back soon for about 2,000 years or so now. So if he was coming back soon 100 or so years ago, he's coming back soon even more so now. Okay? I'm not trying to freak us out. Here's what I am trying to do for tonight. I'm trying to make sure that by the time I leave and by the time you leave Fusion, whenever that season of your life ends, you will be one of those people who endure to the end. You will not be one of those 20-somethings who said, I loved Jesus so much back when I was 24, but now that I'm 34, I am so lukewarm. You will not be one of those people who said, I used to be so on fire for, for Jesus, now I'm so on fire for my sin. My hope, my goal is that every individual in this room would endure to the end. Would y'all like that? I think it's kind of worth enduring to the end. I'm not saying it's easy to endure to the end, but Jesus is that guy who hung on a cross for us. Jesus is that God who was nailed so that we could be forgiven of everything we ever did wrong. Jesus is that guy who raised up out of the grave. Jesus is the one who promises us eternity forever and ever and ever. And I don't want to let some little or big or major circumstance, whether it happens to us or to the people around us, to dictate whether or not our hearts will grow cold towards God. My hope is that every individual in this room would be on fire for Jesus tonight and tomorrow and next week and next year and next decade and for the next century or so. That is my hope, and I'm so glad one of y'all clapped on that. Thank you, Jasmine. The person who just got out of the hospital is the one who is clapping right now. I think so often we don't realize how much of a war we are in the middle of. We don't realize that the enemy would love to take us out, tear us apart, have us just kind of chill with God, go to a bunch of services and think this is the life. There's so much more to it. There's so much more. And so what I'm going to do is 
talk about how we endure, what kind of things we need to be doing, what kind of things we need to be experiencing or setting ourselves up with in order to endure. So the first thing, here's how we endure. And it's kind of obvious, but it's worth saying anyway. Pray. Pray. And, and when I say pray, I mean pray regularly. I don't mean pray when things are going really bad. Just when things are going really bad. Yeah, pray when things are going really bad, but don't just wait for it to get really bad to then start praying. I also don't mean just pray when things are going really good. I mean pray constantly. I'm not saying like, you know, be creepy and like every time you walk by somebody, you just start kind of mumbling prayers and all that kind of stuff. Y'all have met those people, right? And you didn't want to be around those people. Don't be, around, don't be those kinds of people. I mean, if God calls you to that, cool, go for it. But, but be the kind of people who say, whether life is good, whether life is bad, whether I feel like it, whether I don't feel like it, I am devoted to praying, to talking with you, God. There was a little, um, <laughs> this might be too much information. If it is, okay. Uh, there was a little, um, like, air freshener bag that used to be uh, on my toilet in the home I grew up in. And I don't know why we had this bag there uh, with, it, of all things, it had a scripture on it. Thought that's kind of weird, but because I'm a man, I use the bathroom differently than ladies, and so I used to read this bag while using the restroom, and can I just read to y'all what used to be on this little air freshener? Is that cool with y'all? All right, are you, are you, you don't want to hear it because you're imagining bad things right now, but John 15, 5 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, yes, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. As soon as we begin disconnecting from God in prayer, we put ourselves in a very dangerous place. Jesus says, he's the vine, we're the branches. It's, it's kind of like a, um, a flower. You ever, you ever cut a flower off a bush or just like bought one from a grocery store that has been cut off a bush? It can only stay alive for so many days. But if that flower stays on the bush, it's not going to die. It's staying connected to the life source. And I think too many of us expect to have a thriving relationship and fiery, passionate faith in Jesus, but we don't really remain in him and stay connected with him regularly. We wait for times to get really intense. We wait for 21 days of prayer and fasting when January comes around. Why not fast now? Why not pray tonight? Why not pray tomorrow? Why just only pray at 5 a.m. when the Lord wakes you up in those seasons? Y'all ever had those seasons before? It's like, man, I just keep waking up at 3, and I'm so tired of waking up at 3. I guess you want me to pray, God, because I don't want to be up at 3. Y'all know what I'm talking. Don't just wait for those moments. Make it the moments where really you don't feel like praying at all, but I'm going to pray, and I'm, I'm going to remain in you, Jesus. I'm going to talk with you. You're going to talk with me. I'm going to hear from you. And even if I don't hear from you, I want to just listen and try to hear from you the best I can. So let me, let me just hear a little bit from y'all. Uh, what are some of the best ways or places that y'all pray? Give some of us some ideas in this room. Because for some of us, it might be difficult for us to pray regularly. I would love to hear anybody who loves to pray. I heard car. Car. Does anybody like to pray in the car in here? Okay, I have a hard time. I get so distracted in the car. It's like, there's another car. There's a billboard song. Uh, I like this song. What was I praying about again? That's kind of how my life is in the car. What you got? The bathroom. The bathroom. I heard someone else say shower over there. Yeah, my wife likes to do that as well. What were you saying, my man? Closet. You like to actually go into a closet, make it happen. That's, that's the Bible way to do it, isn't it? Just when you pray, go into your closet, you know, all that stuff. Yep. What you got? When you're vacuuming? Do you vacuum like every day or something? <laughs> no? Nah. I got you. I feel you. So clean your house, put on some headphones. You got this. All right, what you got over here? The park? You like to go to the park? What, just kind of sit? Jogging. Jogging and praying. I'm feeling that. Yep, 
I can't see you. In your room? Like, like what? Like, did you like the movie classic prayer stance where you just kind of go by the bed and kneel and all that stuff? All right, so you're one of those people. That's cool. What we got over here? Huh? At work. What kind of job do you do? Say it again. HR. Yeah, I understand why you would be praying <laughs> at work. What you got? Huh? When you see people. Yeah, you're that weird. Okay. He said it, not me. What you got? In your journal, you like to write out your prayers? Do you write like what you feel like God spoke to you as well? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's. I got you. So she said, I write stuff like, I don't feel like praying right now, but I am praying right now by writing to you, God, that kind of stuff. That's real. Um, someone, yeah, what's up? You set your alarm five minutes early in the morning. So what time do you have to get up? 5.55? Oh, my goodness. So normally you would have to wake up at 6, but you do 5.55 so you can pray. Now, wait, say it again. Oh, you go to work at 7. Okay, so walk me through this. 5.55 hits. You have an iPhone, so you hit the stop button. And then you get up, or do you stay in bed or what? Stay in bed, pray. Stay in bed, pray for five minutes, brush your teeth, get going, and roll out. Okay, that works for her. If I stay in bed, I fall right back asleep. Um, somebody, I see another hand over, yeah, what you got? Backyard. Yeah. That's good. She says she goes to her backyard, sees the heavens, looks up at the sky, the birds, the trees, everything around me. I'm assuming because you think, wow, God, you're pretty huge. You can do some amazing stuff. You're very creative and it just kind of opens your eyes and mind to what God is doing and what he wants to do. That's awesome. Did I see another hand over here somewhere? Nope. Yeah, what you got? You, you pray on your phone, so you write yours out, or like you record them, or what? You record them, audio or video? Nice. That's cool. Anybody else? Yeah. Listen to a sermon and then pray. Like during the sermon or after the sermon? As the sermon's going? I'm feeling that. I like that. Does anybody love to pray while like listening to music? Yep, yep, that helps me sometimes. What you got? Why'd you put your hand down? Hold on, we'll go to her first, then, then we got three of y'all. Why did y'all wait till the very end to like, all right, quickly, what you got? You walk around the house singing praise. Is that prayer though? Oh, you sing your prayers. But what if you were singing praise, is that prayer? It is. Why do we got to get so technical about this stuff, right? Some people trip because they think, man, you were singing. You weren't praying. No, I, I was praying while singing. What you got? Pray online? Oh, like live broadcast. Like what, what do you use? What app or whatever? So you watch somebody on Facebook as their leading prayer, and you agree with them in prayer. That's cool. Who do you watch? Kelly Lane. Is she legit? Are you sure? Okay. I don't know her. As long as she's praying good stuff, then that's good. Huh? Y'all do one, too. When do y'all do it? Wednesdays and Sundays. What time? You don't have a time schedule. It's just sometime on Wednesday and Sunday. All right, so just in case anybody wants to follow you in prayer tomorrow, because tomorrow's Wednesday, how do they do it? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, you, you, you pray biblical stuff, right? Okay, just making sure. Here you go. Okay, we will have to give you our Instagram. So if you have your phone, you can follow me. My name is Brianna 
I'm sorry, I don't know my name. Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A underscore S underscore B. And or an easier way, <laughs> you can go to the tags and put pound what she said, and it'll come up with our videos. Do y'all do like a live feed, or do you just post videos? Live. What time y'all going live tomorrow? I need you to figure this out quickly. What time? 7 a.m. or p.m.? P.m. 7 p.m. So if you want to go pray with them, go pray with them. I think the point I'm trying to get across is this. Just pray. Like, we say it's too hard, too difficult. Whatever way of praying is too hard, don't do that way of praying. Figure out another way to pray. Um, for me, walking, I, I tend to pray better and kind of focus better when I'm walking around. Uh, when I haven't spent a lot of time outside walking in a few days or, or weeks, that's usually a problem for me because it really means I haven't gotten a, a, an extended time away to, to listen to God and try to hear what he's saying about my life. If you're one of those people who says, I don't even know how to pray, let me give you a very high recommendation for this. Be in this room on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Because if you have ever heard our senior pastor pray, oh my goodness, he will teach you how to pray just by praying. Um, highly recommend that here at Fusion at 6.35, is it, when we start? 6.30, I can't remember the time because we've changed it a couple times. 6.35, before every service, there are leaders in here praying on the microphone, leading us in prayer. Some of y'all wonder, how do so many amazing things happen here at Fusion? It's because we pray. It's because we pray. Uh, so whatever you have to do to pray and stay grounded in prayer, do that. And hopefully these people out here gave you some good ideas. So let's give it up for all the people who just shared. Here's the second way. Here's how we endure. And it's going to probably sound like common sense, but it's community. We need people in our lives. Now, <clears throat> when I say community, I'm talking about the Jesus people. I'm talking about the ones who really follow God, not the ones who said they follow God in their profile. But after you look at their pictures, you realize you don't follow God. I'm talking about the people who walk the walk and talk the talk. I'm talking about the ones who make you better, make you stronger, are there for you when you're down and out, are there for you when it's time to celebrate, who lead you closer to Jesus. Now, please hear this part out as well. I'm not saying that we should be people who don't have friends who don't follow Jesus. We need friends who do not follow Jesus. Jesus told us to be in the world, just not of the world. And bad company will corrupt good character. Good company helps to cultivate good character. So we need good Jesus company people in our lives to help propel us in the direction we're supposed to be going. At the same time, we need people who don't love Jesus in our lives so that we can lead them to him. The Bible tells us this in Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12. I think this is like my eighth time reading this verse this year, but... Uh, here goes number eight. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. Can I get an amen, married people? Can I get an amen from all the people who aren't married but used to do that before you follow Jesus? Some of y'all are like, what's wrong with that? Like, we're not married and we follow Jesus. You telling me you can lie close together just to keep each other warm? All right, I'm going to let you answer that question. But how can one be warm alone? Well, while you're single and not married or dating, you can get a Snuggie. Okay, that's how. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. A few months ago, 
I wasn't doing well at all, um, right here and right here. I just felt overwhelmed and miserable and stressed and worried and probably a lot of other words that I don't even remember anymore. It was a rough day. It was a Friday. I still remember that. Um, my wife was like, you're not okay. I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I got this. You know, like when, when a guy starts doing stuff like that, he's not okay. Okay. Um, so what she did was on the side, she started texting a couple of my friends. Hey, David's not okay. David needs you. Will you reach out to him? And so they both hit me up immediately. Uh, one of them said, hey, I want to take you to play some basketball at the gym today. And I was like, man, I don't feel like going to play basketball. When I don't feel like going to play basketball, there's something really wrong right here. Um, I was like, fine, you know, come over. I'll tell you about all my junk. And then the other guy was like, hey, I'm at work. I can't come and play ball with you guys, but um, is it cool if I come by later? We can just talk, chill, go grab an Italian beef sandwich from Skip's Chicago Dogs. I'm like, oh, you got me, bro. You got me. Fine. Come over later after basketball. So we went and played basketball with one of my friends, came back in the car, and he's like, yo, so Amber, your wife, she hit me up. What's going on with you? I'm like, ah. And just start spitting out all these different things going on in my head. And he's like, we're just sitting in his car in my driveway. And uh, it's funny what happens when you're by yourself and alone in your head. It feels like your whole world's blowing up. And when somebody's sitting outside of your head, and they're able to speak the truth of God's word into your life. It's like, oh, yeah, he does own the universe. Oh, yeah, I am going to get through this, whatever this is. Honestly, I don't even remember what I was so messed up about now. But you know what happens? It says that when someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. When we're by ourselves, the enemy starts playing with our minds left and right. He tries to anyway. And if we don't have somebody standing back to back, it's so difficult to conquer. We can only take so many punches, so many hits before it's like, yeah, maybe I will go back to that sin I used to do to give my soul some comfort. But instead, I had some dudes in my life saying, no, 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 no. We're not letting you go down that path. We're not letting you be a miserable man. You are a son of the living God. You are a husband to an amazing wife. You are a dad to an awesome little kid. You're going to get through this. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't fast for me. They didn't say, okay, you know what? Now that everybody's here, we got this prayer call happening all throughout the world for David Stevens. You know, they said, hey, is it cool? Could we pray here in the car? And I was like, sure, do it. And he was like, okay. So he starts praying for me. And it's just this peace, man. It's just Jesus answers prayer. He does. And he wasn't spitting, he wasn't spraying, he wasn't shouting, he was really chill, just like, you know, God, I know you love David, and this, this, that, that, and it's like, I needed that, I needed that, and, and I know that all of us need that too, all of you need that too, and, and I know the thoughts that come to mind, some of you are like, I want so badly to have that, but it feels so difficult, it feels so impossible, um, that did not happen overnight for me. Y'all know that relationships usually don't happen that way, right? So why do we get so offended when somebody didn't show up for us one week after we met them? And some of y'all are like, it's, it's been like a decade and they still don't show up. It's time to find some new friends. <laughs> That's one of the reasons we so value small groups here. We don't just do it because I want to preach a shorter message. There was a time where we would do small groups and say, all right, everybody, it's small group night. And there was no shouting. There was 100 or 150 or so people who would get up and walk out and leave the building. And I didn't like it, but I'm grateful that that happened because it allowed the people who didn't really want to be discipled in that way to get out so that those who really did want to be discipled in that way to get in and stay in and really do this thing. Find me one disciple, one follower of Jesus who did life alone. Find me one of them. Actually, I can think of one. Yeah, some of y'all just said his name. Judas. 
I wonder what kind of regrets that man. I don't wonder. I know because the Bible tells me. He would go off and do things by himself. When he had 11 other dudes, 12 if you want to include Jesus, that he could have talked to, shared his struggles with. I'm having trouble stealing from you, Jesus. Will you pray for me on this stuff? You know? But he chose to stay in his own little world. And my hope is that we would not be the kind of people who stay in our own world. When you sin and you fall apart and you do something you so regret and wish that nobody knew and you think that nobody could accept you even after you did that thing, that's the perfect time to find your godly community. Not find them as in like find them for the first time, but go back to them and say, hey, I got to talk to somebody in here. Whenever you're going through something, that's the perfect time to be in your godly community. Whenever you're celebrating something, that's the perfect time to be in godly community. And, and, and please, I, I shared the story of what those guys did for me, but I want you to know that it needs to be mutual. There, there was a time where one of those guys, his wife was in the hospital after his wife had just had a baby prematurely. And I showed up, and, I, and me and my wife bought them something from Cheesecake Factory. I think it was a cheesecake. Gave it to them, and he came and sat in the car with me. And we didn't really talk about much other than the fact that he had a premature baby who was having issues, and I'm just there for you. Because what am I going to say that he doesn't already know yet, but I can show up and be like, I'm here for you, and I got you. There was another time where the other guy showed up in my room and just said, hey, I'm not doing well. I haven't talked to anybody about this. Is it okay if I just cry and tell you what's going on in my life? And I was like, yes, I want to be here for you. And he cried, and I cried, and he kept crying, and I kept crying. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't make sense. I don't get it all, but I'm here for you. If there's anything else I can do, just let me know. You know how long I've known these guys? One of them seven years, one of them 12 years. It doesn't just happen overnight, but here's what I will say. Because it does not happen overnight, don't just give up on it right away. Be praying and asking God, God, will you surround me with the men or the women that I need to be surrounded with? And some of you already are surrounded with them. Your prayer needs to be, God, will you help me to open up to them and them to open up to me and me to trust them and them to trust me? Would you help us to grow in this community thing? Because I don't want to be one of those who were on fire for Jesus in my 20s, then got lukewarm in my 30s. Every day of my life, I am living this life for Jesus. And I'm not doing it alone. I've got people with me standing back to back and conquering together. So first is we got to pray. That's how we endure. Second, community. That's how we endure. Third, here's how we endure. Word. we got to get in the word. we got to love the word again. We got to, like, devote ourselves to the word once again. Um, do any of y'all love the Bible? It's pretty, it's pretty good. Any of y'all have a hard time loving the Bible? Okay. It's okay to be honest. It's just merely, you know, it's, it's okay. The Bible is not always easy to read, and I believe there's a few reasons for that. Some of us, we just didn't grow up reading it, and so it's like a foreign language. Uh, others of us... Um, we're just lazy, you know. Uh, others of us, we're too busy. Others of us, we get distracted. Others of us, uh, we'd rather watch YouTube videos. Others of us, um, we're in the middle of spiritual warfare. And the enemy is trying to take the sword out of our hand. The Bible tells us that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The Bible tells us to put on all the armor, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, all those things. It tells us to put on the armor, and it only gives us one weapon, the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Take up the sword. What the enemy loves to do, however he can, whether it's playing mind games or distractions or whatever, making you busy, what, or, or maybe just not even making you busy, because I don't know that he can make you busy. Maybe you just allow him to kind of do what he does, and you just become busy. But he's like, here's your sword. You just let it go. As soon as you drop that sword, you're in so much trouble. That sword is our everything. That word is our everything. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The word is the truth. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the truth. He sets us free through his word. Romans 12, 2 tells us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, 
but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of y'all want to know God's will for your life? Okay, here's what the Bible says to you. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So what are the behaviors and customs of this world? They just say, okay, graduate, get a degree, then you'll walk in your purpose, right? I'm not saying those are bad things to do. But that is not the emphasis or the primary focus of a follower of Jesus' life. He says, don't copy their behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How do we change the way we think? By his word. Our, our minds naturally are not bent towards his word. His word changes the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here's other ways that we conform to the patterns of this world. We praise God when life is good. Then we curse God when life is bad. Here's other ways we do it. Some of y'all might, maybe all of us might be able to relate to this one. Remember the first time you ever realized my life is falling apart? Like, I think I need Jesus now. Remember that? You remember how that was? I remember. Yeah, I'm officially done. I'm done with life. Jesus, if you're out there, wherever out there is, come through, please. And he came through. Then life starts getting better. You're like, well, I really needed him when life was falling apart. Now life is really good. I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay without the word. Like, remember how some of you, some of you, not all of you, remember how you were when you first got saved and how the Bible was to you? You're like, oh my gosh, my eyes are being opened. You know, you're like all the memes in the world. It's like, you know, like all the, you know, this, it just, you know, like uh, first time you read the word and you realized this was sin. And first time you read the word and you're like, oh my gosh, God loves me. First time you read the word and you're like, there really is a devil. First time you read the word, there really are angels. First time you read, Jesus is the healer. And you're like, oh my goodness, I've got to have more. But then life's just kind of okay. And you're like, eh, maybe a verse a day. You know? Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, some of y'all right now, You wake up, you check Instagram, see how many likes you got. You're like, dang it, I should have read the Bible first. So you open the Bible app, like, what's the verse of the day? Okay, you know the plans you have for me, plans to give me hope in the future. All right, appreciate that. All right, (laughs) got to go to work now. You know, like, that's how some of us get. I'm not saying that's always a bad thing. But if that's all that our relationship with the word is, we're in trouble. Yes, exactly. And it's only a matter of time before our hearts begin to desire and point towards other things that it should not point toward. Some of y'all say, man, I got a good heart, though. You don't. The Bible says, go back and read the Bible. It doesn't say follow your heart. It says that the heart is the most wicked thing that exists. Who really knows how bad it is? So don't rely on your heart and your heart to start loving the Bible or your heart to start loving Jesus. You need the word to renew your mind and transform your heart so that you can know his will, which is good and pleasing and perfect for you. I've been in a season lately. I, can I just be real? I know you're not supposed to say this stuff as a pastor. There's a good week or so where I was one of those verse of the day guys. Like, I ain't gonna lie, I don't, I don't wanna read, I don't wanna read, but I have to, because I'm a Christian. Not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Christian. I'm just, verse a day, that's all I got, that's all I got in me. <laughs> and that's such a lame thing to say, but that's how I was feeling. And then, finally, it was like one of those breakthrough days, where I was like, man, I got past one verse, you know? I just finished the whole chapter. Two, three chapters. I remember I started in Genesis 37. I wanted to read about the story of Joseph. Y'all ever read about Joseph before? It's some weird stuff, man. And then right in the middle of there, there's this guy named Judah who has some sons. And it's, it's a really weird story. I think it's like in Genesis 38. And, and one of his sons gets married. And then the son dies. But the custom back then was the next in line to marry that woman and to have a baby. 
so that, you know, um, the lineage could kind of be kept or whatever. Y'all, have y'all read this story before? So the next brother marries the wife who died from the first brother, and he's like, yo, I don't want to have kids with you. And so it's, the Bible gets a little graphic on us and says he spilled his semen so that he wouldn't have kids. Um, and then God's like, I'm not a fan of that, so you're dead too. And it's just crazy. You're like, what is happening? And then so now the wife has to marry the third son, but Judah's like, okay, I'm taking notes here. This woman has been with two of my sons. Both of them have died. There's one common factor in this. It's that woman. So I'm going to tell that woman, you go off somewhere, wait for the third boy to grow up, and then maybe you'll get married one day, but that doesn't happen. And then uh, she realizes it. Judah's wife dies. Judah, remember, is the dad. Um, He goes to the town where the woman who, uh, you know, had all the husbands dying off, is, is chilling, and uh, she hears that Judah is coming. She dresses up with a veil on her face so she could be disguised as a prostitute. Judah, I don't know, is feeling some kind of way about life right now. He's like, hey, I want a prostitute right now. So you look kind of good. Uh, how much? And she's like, uh, give me your cane and your little signet ring that shows your identity. And he's like, all right, fine. You can hang on to it until I get this goat that I owe you. So they have sex. She gets pregnant with twins. And then Judah's like, yo, uh, servant, go get my little staff thing and my signet ring. He goes, and the woman has changed out of her prostitute clothes and into her widow clothes. And I was like, hey, there's no prostitute in this town. Uh, We can't find her. And he's like, okay, don't go back, because if we go back looking for a prostitute again, people are going to think I'm some kind of creep, weirdo, whatever. And then um, the woman shows up, and and she's, her name's Tamar, I believe. And uh, and she's like, hey, um... What's up? Like, you, you uh, recognize this cane? Recognize this ring? And he's like, I just had sex with my daughter-in-law. And so they have twins, and it just gets weird. But then 39 happens. Chapter 39, then Joseph. Joseph thinks, this is a little, little Bible story for y'all. So I'm like, I didn't know the Bible was like that. You should read it sometimes. Genesis 39. Then one of the sons of Jacob, his name is Joseph. And Joseph was an interesting dude. He had a calling on his life. All this craziness happens. Joseph is hated by his brothers. Brothers send him, sell him off into slavery. Joseph elevates to this place uh, in a guy's house, Potiphar. He's like this governor who just, just is the junk. He's like second in command, basically. And Potiphar sees how gifted and blessed Joseph is. Like, Joseph, just, just run everything I do. And Potiphar had a wife who was a little bit freaky as well. And uh, Potiphar's wife would be like, yo, Joseph, have sex with me. Have sex with me. Joseph, have sex with me. And Joseph's like, I can't do that. Like, your, your, your husband trusts me with everything here. And plus, I don't want to do that for my relationship with God. Men, if you were in this position, what would you say? What would you do? You'd be like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can. Maybe we can cover this up. You know, you, you're pursuing me. I mean, I'm just, you know, I was sold by my brothers, life was bad, maybe you can help make life better, I don't know, but it says one day her urges for lust and Joseph became so intense, because it says he was actually a well-built man, um, so, so she, she grabs him by the cloak and says, have sex with me, he runs out of his cloak, runs, the Bible says flee, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Joseph runs. Y'all are clapping now. Wait till you hear what happens next. The woman realizes she's in a predicament. Joseph is running out without his cloak. I have his cloak. How how did this happen? What what kind of story am I going to make up? So then she calls for the servants, and she says, hey, servants, go get that kid Joseph, that guy Joseph, because he tried to rape me, and I grabbed his cloak on the way out. They go get Joseph, bring him back. They tell Joseph the story. Potiphar locks him up in prison. Joseph was put in prison for being obedient to God. Genesis 39, 19 tells us this. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. 
Here's what I got out of that. God is still good even when life isn't. And I, I know it sounds good right now, but, but do you really believe it? When life is falling apart, here's another thing I wrote. The absence of good circumstances does not equal the absence of God's presence. I used to equate, well, God, if you're really here, you wouldn't let this bad stuff happen. Sometimes he allows those bad things to happen, and there's a way bigger plan in mind at the end of it all. What we've got to remember in the midst of it is even when bad stuff is happening, God is still here. Imagine if you were in a place where, I don't know if I can trust God anymore. But if you're in the word, and it's like that word is cutting up all of these desires to walk away from God, that's what we need. That's who we need. We need the words of God in our lives. So that's, that's how we endure. And then finally this, here's how we endure. We live it out. Y'all ever met those, or some of you are these people, but... And I'm not hating on you, but I want to call you out for a second because I've been this person at certain points in my life. You're those Christian event Christians. You show up at every Christian event imaginable. You're at Fusion tonight. You're going to be somewhere else tomorrow. You're going to the Saturday night service at Victory. You're going to the Sunday morning at Passion City. Sunday night, you're going to some worship night at house fires, uh, and then you're going to uh, Free Chapel to check out their new location. Then you're going to North Point to see what Andy Stanley is all about. Then you're going to go visit All Nations because that's a black church. And then you're going to go to some Hispanic church because you've just never been in that environment before. You're going to a Baptist, a, 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 a Pentecostal. You're going to the next Lecrae concert. You're going to um, just every Christian event imaginable. And if we're not careful, we think this is the life. Those are good places to be. Good things happen in those environments. But God did not call his people to just keep coming into church building settings and stay within the walls and let our faith rise up just in those walls. James 2, 19 through 21 says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Good, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. I saw something the other day where a man said, he, he was reading this verse, he said, you say you have faith, you believe that there's one God, good for you, even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. He said, you know, mostly he was talking to the people in the room, we, we believe in God, but at least the demons tremble. Do we realize what kind of a God we have? I'm not saying we need to be freaked out. But sometimes we treat God like a side piece. You say you have faith for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? It doesn't say that we do our good deeds so that we can be saved. It says, it says we have faith that we are saved. Therefore, this faith causes us to act and live with these good deeds that Jesus has written about in his Bible. It's not enough for us to just read the word. It's for us to live out the word.